Before this podcast starts, we have a couple things we would like to let you know about. First, we have some big plans for the future. We are so excited for where this podcast is going, but we really need some help. We both have full-time jobs along with church and family. And here are some ways that you can help. Share our posts, subscribe, and leave a review. Also, we would like to buy better equipment, and we also have some plans for the future that are going to need funding. You can either become a monthly or a one-time listener supporter. The link is in the show notes. Or you can buy us a coffee. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash breaking taboo, or you can click the link in the show notes. Next thing is, me and my husband are going on AIM to Japan. You can support us one of three ways. Text to give. You can text AIM206 to 71777. Or you can buy a t-shirt or hoodie from our shop on Bonfire called Seek and Save Apparel. Or you can become a partner in missions. To find more information on anything, please visit our Instagram page, Romans to Japan or Breaking Apostolic Taboo. Thank you for joining and we are so excited for this week's episode. Get out of your head. Let's stop the spiral of toxic thoughts and study the book of Philippians to try to change our thought patterns. We hope that on Breaking Apostolic Taboo that this study helps enlighten you and helps you grow in your relationship with God. Please enjoy this week's study. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our study. Um, Today is the first session of Get Out of Your Head, um, a study in Philippians, six six sessions. Um, I will drop the link in our um, link tree to where you can purchase this book so you can do it along with us. I'm super excited. I've been wanting to do this one for a very, very, very long time. So, I'm super excited. Um, So, I'm just going to go ahead and start, alright? So, this is Introduction, Spiraling Out, Session 1. The first time I taught this study you're about to dive into, I gathered a room full of women in my local church to talk about what's going on in our heads. We meet for six weeks. And lives were changed. The first night, those women streamed into the chapel where we were meeting. They were greeted by a giant whiteboard on which was written the question, What are you thinking about? Attached to that board were dozens of brightly colored sticky notes with topics that might be taking up space in their thoughts. Things like others' opinions, the holidays, finances, the weekend, plans, the news. Before the women in the Bible study study took their seats they were asked to identify a few of thought a few of the thoughts that were true for them and peel off those sticky notes it was challenge it was a challenging task following that evening's exercise my team and i assessed which thoughts had been taken and by how many women and which thoughts were still left on the board despite dozens of positive options available on those sticky notes guess which options got picked Stress at work, stress over finances, am I good enough, am I worthy, 
failures, rejection, and pain. Guess which stickies remained untouched? Choosing joy, good memories, strength, and my heart. Hiking did get hiking did get three takers, so at least there's that. Now, I've got to tell you, based on what these women indicated they were thinking about, I pretty much knew with uh, what assumptions they were making. Assumptions such as if people knew how badly I'd fail or how badly I'd failed, they'd never love me and my worth comes from my ability to perfect or to be perfect. No wonder I am not worthy of much. As a result of those assumptions, emotions surface, frustration, anger, uh, dependency, hopelessness, embarrassment, inadequacy, and shame. Um, from those emotions, be- uh, beliefs begin to form. I, never thr- I will never thrive in my career. I'll never be good enough. I'll never be accepted and loved. I'll never get out of debt. We spiral down and down. From those beliefs, actions are taken. We will not numb our pain. We will hide our er, We will numb our pain. We will hide our fear. We will fake our happiness, and we will armor up. Those actions over time form habits, which craft the lifestyles that shape our days. No wonder so many of us have trouble sticking to change. We fall prey to negative thinking, and then wake up one day utterly defeated. We need a new normal. The truth is, even if our minds are a mess, Jesus offers us that new normal. It's a place where we know we're fully loved, where we're operating in our purpose, where we're running free. Our minds are strong and clear, and that's available to us as his followers right now. But sometimes, even if even if we know this truth, we don't believe it, and our minds spin and spin looking to land and yet unsure if our mind stopping is even possible messages get mixed and it feels like we can't quite put our feet back on uh, down on the simple truth of what it means to love Jesus and what it means to be loved by Jesus in these weeks together studying the book of Philippians we are going to remember or perhaps discover for the first time what it looks like to to or to imitate Christ what will become a part is or what will become apparent is that the overflowing contagious joy that comes from following the example of Jesus is directly connected to how we think we often don't think about the way we think we think about the way we feel almost every minute but changing the way we think seems nearly impossible. And yet the Apostle Paul clearly tells us again and again, conforming our minds to Christ is possible. It is the goal for every follower of Christ. In these pages of this short letter, the Apostle Paul writes to the Philippian church to have this mind among yourselves, which is your, yours in Christ Jesus. Paul is telling the believer that because of the indwelling of the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, we can actually have the power to think Jesus' thoughts. Are you kidding me? There's no such thing as an insignificant thought. We are the product of hundreds, even thousands of daily thoughts. However, if you dig under the thoughts of dry cleaning, spreadsheets, emails, or what you should eat for lunch, you will find some driving, consuming thoughts. Thoughts that you attempt to keep tucked away, but the consuming thoughts remain. We serve a perfect God who is rightly jealous for his own glory. 
And if our thoughts shape our lives and lives, no longer can we dismiss what we allow to bounce around in our minds. We have a very serious problem on our hands. Realizing this, we can no longer casually dwell on fears. We obsess over idols. We aren't merely distracted with worry. We are fixated on not trusting God. Welcome to what I believe to be the greatest war we may ever fight. The war in our minds. We have help. Here we sit in, in a post-truth society and bombarded with promises of happiness, wealth, fulfillment, and all our dreams met. Yet so many of us miss, uh, miserably are miserably unhappy. Why? Because for all the good that self-help does, that help always comes up short in the end. The best that self-help can do with our suffering, with our shortcomings, with our spiraling is to reject it, it deter- uh, to determine to do better, to declare today this awfulness stops. But we don't simply need our spiraling thoughts to stop. We need our minds to be redeemed. Bondage, bondage necessitates rescue. Oppression needs to be lifted. Blindness waits for sight. Waywardness must be transformed. C.S. Lewis wrote something I cannot quit thinking about because it dismisses the idea that God sent his son to make us better, uh, make us a better version of ourselves. Mere improvement is not redemption, though redemption always improves people even here and now and will in the end improve them to a degree we cannot yet imagine. God became man to turn creatures into sons not simply to produce better men of the old kind but to produce a new kind of man it's not like teaching a horse to jump better and better but like turning a horse into a winged creature this work we are going to do might be the most important thing we've ever done but we don't do it merely as another self-improvement project i want to become the winged creature the new kind of man don't you the one who sets her mind on Christ better yet realizes she has already been given the mind of Christ and therefore is deeply and intrinsically motivated and moved by an um, entirely different source not only do I make Jesus happy but I find my complete happiness in him these are the truths that if we could only believe would change everything what is at stake It is possible to waste our lives if we never learn to take our thoughts captive. Your thoughts produce actions that echo out into eternity. If you shut down because of the noise in your head, untold generations of kingdom builders could be missed. The enemy of our souls knows this and nothing would give him greater happiness than seeing us stuck, wasting, spinning, instead of growing and walking forward in God's good purpose. This is how we operate. Or this is how he operates. Your mind is the front line of this war. So don't let anyone tell you that your thoughts don't matter. Second Corinthians 10, 5 in the ESV says, So we learn to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Your thoughts matter. But taking every thought captive feels very difficult. So let's start with taking one captive. One little thought that is that if you fully embrace it will tip over like the first domino in a long line god gave you a choice this one little thought could shift all others you get 
to interrupt the chaos and remember that you are no longer a slave. Galatians 4, 7. You are free to live as a child and therefore an heir of God. And what that comes a lot with that comes a lot of privilege and power. You get to decide moment by moment what you live for. And as heirs of God, we get to live for him. You have a choice. You are not a victim to your thoughts, enemies, and weapons. In these weeks together, we will study the scriptures and examine how we can use the following weapons to fight the enemies of our mind. The enemies are self-importance, noise, cynicism, isolation, complacency, victimhood, and anxiety. The weapons we use are humility, silence, delight, connection, intentionality, gratefulness, and trust. Background on the book of Philippians. We're about to dive into the book of Philippians and see how Paul thought. Before we do, let's explore Paul's state of mind as he's writing the church to the church in Philippi. About Paul, the author. Paul was actually born a Saul. He was born in Tarsus in, um, I'm probably going to say this wrong, Sicilia, around AD 1 through 5 and a provident, uh, Providence in the southern or southeastern corner of modern-day Turkey. He was a Benjamite. Uh, he was of Benjamite lineage and Hebrew ancestry. Philippians three five through six. His parents were Pharisees, fervent Jewish national or nationalists who adhered strictly to law of Moses, who sought to protect their children from contamination from the Gentiles. Saul went on to become a lawyer. Saul of Tarsus was a, was a religious terrorist. Acts 8, 3 states he began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women. He would put them in prison. Of the 27 books of the New Testament, 13 are attributed to Paul. He was born about the same time as Jesus, or a little later. He was converted to faith in Jesus Christ above about 33 CE, and he died probably in Rome, uh, Syria, in 62 through 64 CE. He trade, his trade was tent making, which he continued to practice after converting to Christianity. The city of Philippi. Philippi was a leading city of the district of Macedonia and was a Roman colony in Acts 16:12. Because of its location, Philippi became a center for trade. Greek was widely spoken. The citizens enjoyed treatment as if they were Roman citizens. Um, I'm going to say this wrong. Amphilus was the capital of the district, and Thessalonia was the capital of the province. Paul writes the letter. Paul is in a Roman prison, likely with an execution sentence on his head. The context of the letter is the story of... um, Aphroditus, a Philippi believer who was sent to Paul with a gift from the Philippines Philippians, while Paul was in jail. And he sent this letter back to the church to say thank you and, and to encourage the young church, the church in Philippi. The story of the start of the church in Philippi is found in Acts 16. Paul is very affectionate toward this church. He believes in them and wants to encourage them. Philippi was the first town in which Paul preached after he crossed the um, Aegean Aegean Sea from, oh my gosh, I'm butchering these words, 
It entered what we now call Europe. At that time, in AD 50, the city had few Jewish residents, and the first converts were Lydia, a Gentile businesswoman from uh, a city I cannot pronounce, <laughs> in the province of Asia Minor, and the Philip. Uh, Philippian jeweler or jailer I can't talk the church evidently met in Lydia's home at first Acts 16 15 Paul compa- Paul's companions on his first visit to Philippi included Silas Timothy and Luke the Philippian Christians sent financial support to Paul in the Thessalonia more than once Philippians 4 15 through 16 Paul likely visited Philippi again during his third missionary journey in AD 57. He traveled from Ephesus to Corinth by land and then from Corinth back to Meltis, mostly by land. From there, he took a ship to Jerusalem. The land route he took on both occasions would have led him through Philippi. Um, Project Consider. In this study, we are going to talk a lot about the way we think and the way God has called us to think, but we rarely stop and even think about our thinking. We begin by being aware of what we are thinking about, by starting with what is true. Evil never wants to be noticed. I should mention it, or I should mention here, it sneaks in and hijacks our minds and we barely notice anything's amiss. So a vote for noticing, for thinking, what we're thinking about here is your chance as we begin on this journey together i want you to take 10 minutes to reflect on your thoughts and answer a few questions um mind map we're going to go through this um you can write this out um okay so step one get a sheet of paper and write down 10 things you've spent the most time thinking about today and if you have the book Um, It has that in there for you. So if you want to pause this and write your 10 things, go ahead. The next thing to answer is what are the primary emotions you tie to or associate with those things? Now take the most prevalent emotion and write it at the center of the blank space on page 24, which... um, Uh, I will put, well, if you're going to work through this, if you want to see how the map is supposed to be, I can send you a picture or I'm sure you might could Google it and find it if you're not working with the book. Um, but I will try to do my best to explain. It could be good or bad. You might write anxious or peaceful, overwhelmed, angry, afraid, whatever it is, jot it down. Now draw a big circle around that word. Scatter around that large circle. Write everything you can think of that is contributing to that feeling or emotion. You might write down laundry that isn't done, or work, or kids, or financial stress, or body image issues. Draw a smaller circle around each of these contributing factors, and trace a line from each of them connecting them to the large one. Keep going until you have exhausted all possibilities, prompting the emotion you wrote down. Step two, talk to God about it. Pray with your map in front of you and talk through each thing you've written down. Tell him about it. 
ask him to show you what you are believing wrongly about him and yourself. Are you ready to move on? Step three, look for patterns and common themes in your circles. Are you worrying about things you cannot control? Are you angry about how you've been wronged? Are you obsessed with what, you've, what you don't have? Has food, sex, entertainment, or money taken over your thoughts? Are you ashamed of what you've done in the past? Are you self-critical? If you were to make one shift in the way you think, what would it be? This week, keep a daily log of what you notice about your mind, what your, where your mind spends its time, what themes emerge. So if you want to keep a journal like me in your phone and your notes, you should do that. What's the power in noticing? How can that start to change things? What is your relationship with Jesus like today? Describe honestly and consider how it connected to your thinking. Last, here's a scripture to memorize. Over the course of this study, we are going to memorize one of the greatest passages in Bible. No other passage lays out the gospel quite so beautifully and, con- uh, and consciously. Philippians 2, 5-11 through 11 in ESV. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equally with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And that is the end of this session. It was great. Literally had to push myself through it and not cry the next session is on make the shift so you want to get the book i will leave it in our um link tree and we will see you next week this is bailey and this is breaking apostolic taboo and let's start talking